Teaching Credentials, a Star Wars fanfiction by Ruth Balding, read by God of Laundry Baskets. Summary. The intimidating Jedi Master, Joris Chabot, publicly questions Obi-Wan's capacity to train the Chosen One. Chapter 1 May I sit with you? Anakin Skywalker's dirty blonde head tilted up to look into his mentor's face with an earnest, pleading expression. A mute call for rescue from some perceived bit of awkwardness or an unpleasant scene. Obi-Wan Kenobi's eyes traveled around the large dining hall expectantly, looking for the occasional trouble but he sensed nothing out of the ordinary. Yes, but I would think that you might prefer the company of some of the other students your age. Look, there's... No thanks, Anakin broke in hurriedly, darting in front of his teacher to help himself to a generous plate of food from the serving area. What have you done now? Obi-Wan murmured in his ear, under cover of leaning forward to reach a Twi'lek dish on the other side of the wide counter. Nothing, master, Anakin protested, a bit too loudly. He blushed and lowered his voice. I just feel kind of weird, you know. Obi-Wan sighed. Oh yes, he knew. The entire temple knew. The force was awash with confusion and shock and dismay, as the terrible news, which had reached the ears of the council this morning, made its swift way among the ranks of the Jedi present here on Coruscant and across the galaxy. It was a scandal and a tragedy like few he had witnessed in his lifetime, and he had to admit it left him with a very bad feeling indeed. Yes, I understand, he said quietly to the boy. Anakin beamed, grateful for the moment's sympathy, and continued piling food onto his plate. Master, make sure you get dessert. The young Jedi Knight rolled his eyes and picked up a small dish of tiramisu, setting it on his own tray and threading his way to a table near the back of the spacious eating area, Anakin in tow. At every table they passed, heads leaned together and low, gray voices whispered and murmured. The news had disturbed the serenity of the Jedi Temple as surely as a large rock tossed in a still pond. They set down their trays, and Anakin settled himself beside his teacher, shoulder to shoulder, as though craving physical comfort. The boy was super attuned to disturbances in the Force. If the mood and atmosphere had Obi-Wan rattled, then the young ten-year-old Padawan was surely twice as confused and unsettled. Thanks, Anakin said, transferring the extra dessert to his own place setting it next to his own helping of tiramisu, and starting in on his dinner without further ceremony. You're the best master I could have. 
Obi-Wan raised an eyebrow and had just opened his mouth to make a sarcastic retort when he spotted a tall, imposing figure winding his way towards them among the other diners. The silver-haired Jedi Master approached with an air of determination and sat opposite them without hesitating to receive a greeting or, for that matter, an invitation. Anakin stared. Master Kaboth, Obi-Wan said, inclining his head respectfully. Master Kenobi, the older Jedi replied, his eyes resting curiously on Anakin. My Padawan, Anakin Skywalker. An honor to meet you, Master Kaboth said to Anakin. The Padawan smiled and nodded, uncharacteristically tongue-tied. Obi-Wan stirred, an infinitesimal sign of impatience. Was there something? Yes, Jedi Master Joris Kaboth replied sharply. There is something you can do for me, Master Kenobi. I should like a word with your Padawan. Alone, if you please. Obi-Wan shot Anakin a warning glance, but the boy looked and felt in the force just as stimmied and taken aback as his teacher, so he returned his gaze to Joris Kaboth. The man was a much older and highly respected member of the Order, a master with a prominent public persona and an impressive reputation. Of course, master, he answered politely. Perhaps after... Now would be best, the other man cut him off. I appreciate your willingness to indulge my request. Obi-Wan blinked, his face stilling into a perfect expressionless mask of calm. Beside him, Anakin tensed, no doubt sensing his master's annoyance. Ten minutes should suffice, Chaboth told him imperiously. Obi-Wan rose gracefully and made a very careful, formal bow to the silver-bearded Jedi, turning with a last admonitory glance at Anakin and strode toward the opposite doors at a measured pace. He felt a sharp ripple in the force as he went. Not a few heads turned to regard him curiously as he passed. Anakin watched him go, and then turned nervously to his new acquaintance. Um, hello? He said. Obi-Wan paced along the fifth-level concourse, oblivious to anything but his own seething temper. This would never do. He paused and looked over the railing into the soaring halls below, gripping the curved balustrade with both hands and taking a few moments to calm his breathing. Joris Chaboth was a powerful Jedi, over forty years his senior, and, although he had never served on the Council, highly superior in rank and experience. If he wished to dismiss Obi-Wan like a wayward Padawan, well then... <sighs> he let out his breath slowly, using the Yamalsa technique, counting down 20 heartbeats, each slower and stronger than the last. Don't be asinine, he chided himself. He asked permission to speak to your Padawan. What right do you have to feel slighted? This is nothing but evidence of a pride and arrogance on your own part. You do that so well, a warm voice said at his elbow. He smiled and opened his eyes. 
Garen! The young knight leaned backwards against the railing, elbows propped on its edge. Tell me you don't lecture your Padawan like that, Garen Moon smiled back. I hardly have an opportunity, Obi-Wan answered wryly, still trying to smother the embers of frustration and hurt pride. Garen snorted. That's good. I was going to volunteer to rescue him from your clutches for a while. Maybe take him up in one of those new fighters. They're sweet, Obi. Even you would like them. His encomium fell flat. The last thing Anakin needs is more incentive to worship at the altar of technology, Obi-Wan said. Keep your dark side idolatry to yourself, Garen. The two friends fell silent, idly watching the students and masters passing in the hall below. Garen shifted. Did you hear? He asked far more soberly. About Doku, you mean? Garen nodded. There were no words. The force warped and reverberated around them, a distant note of sorrow echoing in the back of their minds. The lost. The lost twenty, it would be said from now on. Already the archivist would be recording the great Jedi's choice, his decision to leave the Order after so many decades of devoted service, his denunciation of the Republic and the Jedi themselves. Already the Council would be dealing with the fallout, the public and internal strife sure to follow on such a scandalous and unexpected move. Garen shuddered. If he can leave, if someone as strong in the Force as Master Doku can see fit to abandon his vows, he muttered, leaving the rest unsaid. If he could fall, then what hope had any of the rest of them? Were there dark times to come, of such power and majesty that there was naught to be done but despair? Obi-Wan turned away from the edge and set his jaw. Then it is left to the others to uphold the order and protect the Republic. Garen met his eyes, his hand briefly clasping his friend's shoulder before falling again to rest on the hilt of his lightsaber. He forced a smile though his tension still hummed through the force. Are you stronger than Doku himself now, Master Kenobi? He challenged, in an effort at playfulness. The forces, Obi-Wan replied simply. Well, good night. Anakin said, hesitating in the arched entry to the older initiates' dormitories. Sleep well, Obi-Wan answered, wondering whether he would be able to do just that himself. Probably not. You never asked what Master Chaboth wanted, the boy added quietly. Obi-Wan nodded. It was your private conversation. Oh, but Anakin did not move away down the corridor. Um, don't you want to know, Master? Obi-Wan folded his arms. That's not the point, Anakin. It would be inappropriate for me to pry into your conversation with another Master, and I do not wish to pressure you to. Okay, Anakin interrupted, but I can tell you if I want to. Oh. Of course, 
privately? Oh, oh dear. dear. Of course. Because it was sort of about you, too. Oh, oh hells. I see. They stepped together into Anakin's tiny quarters. The Padawan hastily pushed some of the spare circuitry and scavenged droid parts off the narrow cot and waited for Obi-Wan to gingerly pick his way across the cluttered floor to sit down on the edge of the thin mattress. The small study desk, the singular chair, and the meditation pad were all similarly covered in half-finished cybernetic projects. The floor of the closet was also full of cramped storage crates containing bits of metal and tools, atop which a spare tunic and cloak had been carelessly crumpled. "'Where do you sleep?' Obi-Wan asked, looking in all directions at the evidence of his apprentice's obsessive hobby. "'On the floor sometimes,' the boy admitted. He frowned. "'Is that all right?' It can't do you any harm, I suppose. Anakin nodded solemnly. Obi-Wan, he began, and then stopped. That wasn't a good sign. The use of his proper name, rather than the honorific, never meant anything good. Anakin seemed to forget his protocols and lapse into familiar intimacy whenever he was profoundly disturbed. A legacy of his unusual upbringing with a mother. Obi-Wan waited for him to continue. "'What do you think of Master Chibah?' The boy changed tactics. "'He looks like a crazy old wizard. There's a legend they tell on Tatooine about this old magician who used to live out in the Black Hills. His name was Ben Aturyavi. That's what the Tuscans called him. We just called him Black Ben. He was a pirate and a warrior, and he used evil magic to lure people.' "'What?' Exactly. Does this charming character have to do with Master Chaboth? Obi-Wan interrupted. Nothing. Only, is Master Chaboth sorted? Anakin! Sorry, Master, but he is pretty odd, different from other Jedi. He sort of reminds me of Qui-Gon, only in a twisted way. I'm glad I knew the real Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan narrowed his eyes and tried to make sense of this rambling statement. So am I, he said gently, and then, It isn't my place to discuss Master Chaboth in quite that way, Anakin. The boy squirmed. Okay, how do I say this? He wrinkled his nose up and looked at the floor before meeting his teacher's eyes again. He wanted to know how well I liked being your student. What? Anakin watched him carefully. He also asked me a lot of questions about my studies and the force and the things I can do and saber practice and meditation and, I don't know, lots of stuff. Obi-Wan tamped down his resentment. I see. Did that bother you? Anakin looked at him, through him. It bothers you, he observed bluntly. It's my role to be protective of you as my Padawan, he answered cautiously. I'm sure Master Chaboth has your best interests at heart as well. Yeah, 
Anakin replied unenthusiastically. He is a very powerful Jedi. You should be honored that he took such an interest in you, Obi-Wan added with an equal lack of conviction. Anakin twisted his mouth to the side and frowned. I think you should get some rest, Obi-Wan said. Okay, I mean, yes, master. Good night. Good night. But as he made his way back down the corridor, away from the student dormitories, Obi-Wan couldn't help but think that a good night was the last thing he was going to enjoy. Chapter 2 It wasn't a good night at all. Dreams of Qui-Gon's death and a final agonized request haunted him for the better part of the night. Disgusted, Obi-Wan rose well before dawn and roamed the corridors of the temple aimlessly unable to find peace, because even here, in the hallowed temple, the force was taut with an unwonted anxiety, shock and dismay oozing from his fellow Jedi in a steady lamentation. The temple was in mourning for one of its own. He fled to the outdoor gardens, only to discover that Coruscant was enjoying one of its scheduled rainfalls. A swift springtime storm, carefully choreographed by meteorological regulators high in orbit. At first, he used the force to shield himself from the downpour. But in the end, he gave it up and settled for the most strenuous of the Alchica meditations, driving himself through the repetitions and demanding forms without cease, until he was both exhausted and soaking wet. The rain gently slowed and stopped and so did he. Then he sat between two colonnades of steady spargy trees and waited for the sun to rise, slipping into a light and restful trance, floating empty on the surface of the force, feeling both its present turbulence and also the deep, calm currents that moved below. Catch your death of cold, you will, a gravely voice asserted. "'Master!' he exclaimed, starting into full awareness and rising to make a formal bow. Pink and gold highlights picked out the silhouettes of the trees around them, caught the gleaming orbs of a million suspended drops of water. Overhead, the sky lightened to a pale gray, already crisscrossed by endless streams of air traffic. Yoda leaned heavily on his gimmer stick and surveyed the gardens thoughtfully. Lost of dear student I have, he rasped. Even the sky weeps. Obi-Wan remained silent, noting the droop of the ancient Jedi's pointed ears, the heaviness that hung around him in the force, a mantle of regret. Hmm, the old one remarked, dismissing his own mood with a wave of one clawed hand. Foolish to regret, is it, eh? He planted the stick firmly in front of himself and looked up at Obi-Wan. 
master? Yoda's luminous eyes warmed slightly. Cold, are you? He asked. Yes, master. The tiny green Jedi sighed deeply, looking old and tired. Cold also am I. Obi-Wan crouched down next to him on one knee, remembering Garen Mullen's apprehension, feeling the heaviness settle on his own shoulders, squeeze away at his own breath and chill his very bones. If one as great as Doku could fall, then... For a moment, the clouds overhead were no longer shadows in the sky, but the shroud of the dark side waiting to fall, held up only by some fragile, invisible power. Master, what will we do? He said, fighting sudden vertigo. Yoda looked him full in the face and blinked twice, slowly, eyes crinkling with irrepressible ancient humor. Go inside, where dry it is, <laughs> he chuckled. The council was in full session, and had been all morning and most of the afternoon. Bad news had been followed by worse news. In the wake of Doku's willing renunciation of the Jedi path, had come a spate of personal crises. Young students and a few older Padawans who had listened to his arguments or had been disheartened by his accusations of corruption and uselessness flocked to the council with seething doubts, with half-formed intentions of leaving themselves. A rift, small but painful, had formed in the close-knit community within the temple, between those ready to condemn Doku those tempted to sympathize with him. An open wound which, if not healed quickly, might bleed the Jedi, inflamed by bitter and heated words. Obi-Wan waited, less impatiently, in the council antechamber, wondering why, in the name of all the stars, he had been preemptorily summoned thence only to be kept waiting two hours for an audience. Most disturbing of all was the stipulation that he leave his Padawan behind. At last, the doors hissed open and he entered, cautiously, into a circular chamber atop the south tower. The room felt like a hot kiln in the force. So much contained emotion and energy seethed in the air that he felt himself physically stop and hesitate a few paces in. It had not been a pleasant day for the council members. Come along, Master Kenobi, a commanding voice said from the center of the mosaic inlaid floor. Joris Chaboth stood before the gathered masters, his long silvered hair and beard glinting in the rays of the sunlight, entering through the curved panoramic windows. He appeared to be irritated by the intrusion or interruption and even more irritated by the slight pause in the younger Jedi's movements. Obi-Wan bristled internally, not moving. Proceed, Mace Windu called out in his deep, rolling voice, a note of exhaustion and impatience slightly coloring its rich baritone. 
Obi-Wan strode to the middle of the space and stood a pace distant from Master Chaboth, making a bow to the circle of counselors. Now that the person concerned is present, Master Chaboth, you may continue, Mace growled. Joris Chaboth flicked a sideways glance at Obi-Wan. As I was saying, masters, he boomed out, in times such as these, we must do everything possible to secure the future of the Order and to eliminate or neutralize damaging lineages. Obi-Wan felt a hot thrill down his spine and immediately froze his expression into one of polite but detached interest. I speak of teaching lineages, of course. Master Doku had several Padawans in his lifetime of service to the Order, and I fear that recent events have proved that his influence may have been unwholesome. There is a maverick strain in his students, I think we all must admit, or at least suspect. Obi-Wan kept his entire body rigid and still. Foremost among those in whom we have witnessed this tendency was Master Jin, if you recall. Something snapped in the force, a bright, blinding point of fire, almost painful. Too late, Obi-Wan realized that it was his composure. Forgive me, he retorted, his voice as cold as ice. I believe you are gravely mistaken. Chaboth turned to him thunderously. Obi-Wan held his gaze, meeting power with power, unflinching, feeling the spiraling tension approach the breaking point, and half welcoming that moment when it came. Yoda sat unmoving. Mace Windu leaned forward and let out a long breath, his brows lowered in patent disapproval. You wish to speak to this matter, Master Kenobi, he asked, his voice low and growling. No, Master, I do not possess sufficient skill to argue with Master Chaboth. I was taught by Master Qui-Gon that a Jedi should speak only the truth. The Force lanced with sharp light and heat as the Council reacted to this exchange, sending another thrill down his spine and closing his throat. Obi-Wan observed, with a strange detachment, that he had just uttered unbecoming and disrespectful words to a senior Jedi in the presence of the entire council, and that he really didn't care. Chaboth turned away, a faint smile of derision on his craggy face. As you can see, he said, this tendency has been passed on to the next generation. Yoda held up a warning hand. Enough! One of you, an apology owes to all those present. His luminous eyes were almost slits. Obi-Wan dropped his gaze to the floor and bowed deeply. Forgive me, masters, he murmured. My conduct is inappropriate. I stand corrected. 
He felt his cheeks burn and thanked the force that Anakin was not here to witness his outburst or the reprimand that was sure to follow. But Yoda said nothing. I will accept that apology when it is coupled with better self-control, Jaboth replied haughtily, turning back to the council circle and drawing himself up to his full height. My point, masters, being this, we have among us now, at a young and impressionable age, a student who may well be the chosen one spoken of in prophecy. I refer to young Skywalker. In light of recent events, it seems only reasonable and prudent to make sure he is assigned to the best of teachers. Yet I find that he is apprenticed to a Jedi who is young, inexperienced as a master, and in the teaching lineage of a man who has just left the Order forever. And, I might add, who has himself actually come close to doing the same in the past, if the archive records are to be trusted. He glared at Obi-Wan, daring him to contradict his words. I know you speak only the truth, Master Kenobi, he added softly, dangerously. Do you deny the truth of what I say? It took a lifetime of discipline to keep his voice level. No, Master. Chaboth drew in a breath and raised his eyebrows. I only suggest that, for the good of the Order, this young man, Anakin Skywalker, be transferred as Padawan to someone far more capable and experienced. The task of training him is undoubtedly one of the most important tasks facing the Order in the coming years. It should be given to one who is ready for the responsibility. The Force rippled and stirred, shimmering with the Council's silent reactions. All eyes turned to Yoda. Yourself, you suggest, he grunted. With the Council's permission, Chaboth replied with a half-bow. Yoda turned to Obi-Wan. And consent to this, would you? The room fell silent. Beside him, Joris Chaboth exuded a sense of sure victory. Around him, the council held its breath. Before him, the most respected of his teachers, of all the living Jedi, waited for him to simply acquiesce. Master, you know I will not consent to this. I gave Qui-Gon my promise. Yoda frowned. And if the council directly orders this, what then? Defy the council, will you, Obi-Wan? Hmm? Follow Doku's path, will you? I gave Qui-Gon my word. But Yoda did not relent. My word I give to you, hmm? Trust the Jedi path you may, or trust your own attachments. But both you cannot trust. Which will you follow, Obi-Wan? He was trembling like a Padawan put to some extreme task. I will follow the way the living force shows me, he said. That is the Jedi path. And I will keep my word. That is the Jedi path. And I will do what is right for Anakin, no matter what it may cost. 
he continued, voice strong with conviction. That is my path, and I will not stray from that path, even should, against all possibility, the council go mad and forbid it. There was a scattering of indrawn breath, and Joris Jaboth stared, appalled. Yoda slammed the tip of his cane against the polished marble floor. Go, he commanded, both of you. Meditate on this, I will. Chapter 3 The dojo was no refuge. Not like that, Anakin. You're leaving too much space for an opponent to come under your guard. The blade comes here, right next to your body. Sweeps straight, not out. Like this. But won't I cut off my own head if I do that? Obi-Wan snorted. First rule of lightsaber training. Do not hit yourself. I thought it was, do not fall down, the young Padawan grinned. That would be good too, yes. They both turned as the far doors opened to admit a newcomer, Joris Chaboth. He had discarded his robe in the anteroom and held a training saber loosely in his right hand. Obi-Wan bowed stiffly. I am sorry, master. The sow is not available at present. Chaboth smiled grimly. I know that, he replied. I would be honored if you would allow me to practice with you, Master Kenobi. You would hold you in such high esteem as a swordsman. There was the slight emphasis on the last phrase. Alas, I am occupied with my Padawan at present. Perhaps on another occasion. As you say, it would be an honor. Obi-Wan was not about to rise to the bait. How often as a youngling had he been reprimanded for taking out personal attentions within the confines of the dojo? Such behavior was highly reprehensible. But Jaboth was nothing if not overbearing. He turned to Anakin indulgently. I'm sure this young man would benefit immensely from a display of advanced techniques. How would you enjoy a demonstration, Padawan? The boy looked from his teacher to the silver-haired master and back again, clearly torn between loyalty and curiosity. Good, Chaboth declared. Stand over there, against that wall, and don't get in the way. He ignited his own weapon and made a formal salute to Obi-Wan, who remained motionless, not returning the gesture. His own saber powered down. Anakin skittered away to the corner of the room, eyes wide and wary. Master Chaboth, Obi-Wan began firmly. But the older Jedi had sprung into motion, into an attack, one it would be difficult to dodge. Without thinking, before he could think about thinking, Obi-Wan's saber was ignited and sweeping into a parry. The two blades sizzled as they slammed together, 
and the loud buzz echoed off the walls and smooth floor. And that was all the more reason he needed. In an instant, they were fully engaged, fighting hard in Form 4, a difficult and beautiful discipline which focused on the use of concentrated power, subtle enhancement of the skill with the Force. This was no practice session, obviously. Chaboth was determined to display the full extent of his strength and skill, and not just to Anakin. Obi-Wan felt himself slip into the tension of the moment, into full combat mode. He answered Chaboth's display with his own, relying on speed and accuracy to compensate for his towering opponent's sheer size and height. A few hard minutes later, Chaboth finally scored the hit he wanted, a grazing strike across his opponent's left shoulder. Not more than a scratch in real combat, but by the rules of the scrimmage enough to count as a hit. They stepped apart, heartbeats and breath quickened. Thank you, Obi-Wan said, adding the requisite bow. He switched off the training saber. Now, now, Chaboth protested, casting a quick glance at Anakin, watching awestruck in the far corner. That hardly counts as a hit. A lucky accident, I would say. His eyes were dark and glittering. The contest had been too even for his taste. Though he had managed to land the first blow, it had been nothing serious, and their skills had appeared, for the most part, evenly matched. He wished for a more emphatic test to his superiority. Obi-Wan stood immobile. Not at all, he said, voice low and controlled. I am sure you have other matters to attend, Master. Chaboth raised both eyebrows. You wish to set an example of timidity to your student? He asked, disapproval and contempt ringing in his deep voice. Anakin's face went still. Best two of three, the Jedi Master continued, raising his blade into a ready position once more. Obi-Wan looked at Anakin. Seas of doubt flickered behind the boy's eyes. Blast it! What would Qui-Gon have done in this situation? Walk away? Use diplomacy? Argue? Or let the arrogant, aggressive Jedi standing before him stumble on his own overconfidence? He saluted, and they began the next bout, harder, faster, more intent than before. Chaboth fell upon the younger Jedi like a lightning storm, raining down blows from every direction and forcing a steady retreat backward to the wall. Obi-Wan let him come, blocking, parrying, and evading, inviting further and further extension, more furious energy. Chaboth lunged, leapt, struck and force-pushed to no avail. His desire to teach a lesson to the young knight who had publicly defied his wishes sharpened to painful intensity. Obi-Wan struck, backflipping away from a high blow and landing in a crouch, cutting at Chaboth's legs and burning a line across both the older Jedi's shins. The strike would have taken off both legs had the sabers been real weapons and not low-powered training versions. Chaboth stumbled back in surprise, his brow furrowed into many deep grooves. Anakin whistled under his breath somewhere behind them. 
A warm flash of admiration swept through the force. The corner of Obi-Wan's mouth tweaked upward. Best two of three, Chaboth repeated, striking down almost immediately without warning or salute. Obi-Wan had to roll to evade the hit and then defend himself from a blinding series of attacks aimed at his head and shoulders. He found his feet eventually and retreated again, still working to regain perfect balance, stepping backwards slowly until he hit the wall. Jaboth leapt in ferociously, seizing the younger Jedi's sword arm in a crushing grip and pinning it against the wall. Obi-Wan in turn gripped Jaboth's right arm with his free hand. They grappled, both calling on the force. Chaboth slowly pushed his blade closer and closer, forcing the burning line of light toward his opponent's neck. There was no escaping the powerful Jedi's crushing grip. Obi-Wan summoned his saber out of his right hand into his left, releasing his own hold on Chaboth's sword arm and ducking aside in the same split second. Chaboth's saber slammed into the wall behind them, leaving a scorch mark on the smooth white surface. Obi-Wan twisted, reversed his grip, and caught his foe's arm on the inside with his blade. Jaboth let out his breath in a hiss. Well done, he admitted. Then, without warning, he flicked his still-live blade to the side, planting the burning line across Obi-Wan's open right palm, still pinned against the wall by the silver-haired Jedi's unrelenting grip. Anakin gasped aloud. The two Jedi fell apart. Chaboth shut down his training saber and bowed. Obi-Wan stepped shakily away from the wall and switched off his own weapon, mouth set in a hard line. His bow was much abbreviated. Master Joris Chaboth swept his imperious gaze over Master and Padawan, bushy eyebrows drawn together in a single imposing line. He turned, long hair brushing over his wide shoulders, and strode out of the room at a furious pace. Anakin ran over to his teacher. Master, are you all right? Your hand! It's nothing a little back that won't mend, Obi-Wan said tightly. His eyes rested on the doorway through which Master Chaboth had just retreated. What was that all about? Anakin asked in a hushed tone, but he got no answer. Master, you summoned me? Yoda turned halfway round on his meditation pad and motioned the visitor to sit opposite him. Obi-Wan crossed the small chamber's floor, patterned with light and shadow cast by the partially blinded windows, and folded himself onto the flat, circular cushion. Outside, the endless streams of traffic wove a tapestry of light across the indigo blue of the night sky. Meditated on this request of Master Chaboth's, I have, the ancient Jedi stated without preamble. Most unusual it is. Yes, Master. Most unusual, young Skywalker is also, Yoda added, hands folded thoughtfully. Indeed. 
Obi-Wan watched the small, wrinkled, and white-haired Jedi Master carefully. Yoda's eyes gave nothing away. His expression was as inscrutable as ever. Does my statement to the council displease you, Master? He said, surprising himself with his own daring. Yoda broke into a long, wheezing chuckle. <laughs> Easy to displease is old Master Yoda. <laughs> he chortled. Worry not about that, should you? Obi-Wan looked down at his own hands, folded in his lap. He did worry about it, nonetheless. Yoda had taught him as a toddler and a youngling, and had taken special interest in him all his life, had been a source of counsel and comfort since Qui-Gon's death. How could he not care about the ancient and wise Jedi's opinion? <sighs> Yoda snorted. Your lightsaber, show me. What? Silently, he unclipped the weapon from his belt and held it out. Yoda used the force to lift it from his outstretched hand and levitate it into his own gnarled fingers. As he did so, his keen eyes flashed over the younger Jedi's open palm. What is this, eh? He demanded, catching sight of the not-quite-healed burn, the line of scarlet and white left by Chabas' training saber earlier that day. A saber mishap, master. Nothing of importance. Yoda eyed him curiously. An old custom it was, centuries ago, to strike with a saber the hand of one whose flagrant disrespect showed to his superiors. A warning that he who does not learn with humility burned shall be by his own actions. Such punishments no longer deemed appropriate, are they? Obi-Wan felt his face color. So Chaboth had been making a point, had he? More of a point than he had initially guessed. I did not know that, he answered flatly, closing his hand and looking instead at the saber he had given to Yoda for inspection. The older Jedi grunted. Qui-Gon Jinn's saber this was, he noted. Yes, master, I have carried it since Theed. Defeated Darth Maul with this weapon you did. Yes, master. Yoda turned the beautiful artifact over and over, running a clawed finger along its polished hilt, its smooth pommel. Carried this with honor you have. Now is the time to let it go. Build your own again, you must. Obi-Wan took a breath, caught off guard. Yes, Yoda agreed with himself on the other Jedi's behalf. Yes, to Ilium you must go. Find a new crystal there. Build a new lightsaber you must, of your own design. I, but master, I cannot take my Padawan to Ilium. He is not ready to. Know this, I do. Take another Jedi to Ilium with you, yes? Choose someone to accompany you. Your Padawan, safe here in the temple, will be. A thread of suspicion ran through his mind, as swift and fleeting as a water snake breaking the surface of a pond. Who will oversee his training? I might be gone a few days. Yoda's eyes narrowed. 
Master Chaboth, an opportunity to train with your Padawan desires. Have it, he shall, in your absence. Obi-Wan's back went rigid. Master, he objected. Yoda was sending him to Ilium to get him out of the way while Joris Jaboth made a move to take over Anakin's education himself. Had Yoda decided the old, imperious Jedi Master had been right, that Obi-Wan was too young, too inexperienced, too weak in the Force, too unreliable to accomplish the task? Yoda watched him with no apparent sympathy. Do this, you must, Obi-Wan, he said severely. Now. Yes, master. He bowed his head, knowing that it was useless to hide his sense of defeat and shame from the ancient master, but wishing to preserve a semblance of calm. I will go first thing in the morning, but may I ask, is this a trial period? Is Master Jaboth to have a chance to make the arrangement permanent? Hmm. A trial period, yes. Very perceptive, that is. Yoda mused. I'm truly sorry, Master. I... No! Yoda huffed grumpily. <sighs> Enough apology. Already made one without due cause you have. Compound not that error with another. Yes, master. He left, feeling stunned and confused. A common enough state of mind after an interview with the ancient master, but still an unpleasant one. Was he under censure or not? Was his apology to the council earlier unnecessary? What did that imply? But then... Why was Chaboth being given this chance to have what he wanted, a trial run with Anakin? What had motivated Yoda's sudden decision to sever his last material attachment to Qui-Gon? And whose trial was this to be, anyhow? Suddenly, miserably aware that his hand was still throbbing painfully, and that he was bone-weary in body and mind, he made his way in a daze to his own quarters and slept dreamlessly until morning. Chapter 4 Anakin Skywalker trudged his way down the broad flight of stairs, issuing into the temple's vast entry hall. The one opening off of the main gates at ground level, the plaza flanked by solemn statues, and the rows of austere columns on which the impossibly massive pyramid of the temple seemed to float, as though suspended. He seldom used the main entrance, and he seldom entered this hall. But this grand room was the place where he had been instructed to meet Jedi Master Joris Chaboth, who would be taken over his training for a few days while Obi-Wan was gone. He had said goodbye to Obi-Wan that morning, tagging along as the Jedi Knight made his way to the upper hangar bay. But I still don't understand why I can't come with you, he had complained. 
Ilium is a sacred and a dangerous place. I will take you there when you are ready. Now is not that time. And I really have to study with Master Chaba? I can't just be on my own for a few days? Obi-Wan's cheek had tightened, and there was a flash of temper in the force. Not directed at Anakin, though. Just a little streaking shot of fire rippling across his teacher's presence. Yes, you do. The council has decided the matter. There is nothing I or you can do about it. Well, don't worry then. I'll make you proud. I'll be on my very best behavior for him. That's what I'm worried about, Obi-Wan had quipped, just as suddenly reverting to a serious mood. And speaking of which, I have confidence that you won't try sneaking out of the temple again while I'm gone. Master, I told you. Anakin, I do not think Master Chaboth would take kindly to such a breach of the rules. And for Star's sake, no scavenging in scrap piles, not even here. Anakin's face fell, but Obi-Wan pushed on, undeterred. And if you think I don't know about that new mag strip racing scene over on the industrial side of the Lychee District, you are sadly mistaken, my young Padawan. Anakin perked up immediately. I didn't know about that, he enthused. Forget that you do, Obi-Wan admonished severely, eyes boring into the boy until he wilted ever so slightly. He picked up the single small satchel which he carried for his journey and pulled the hood of his cloak over his head. Bye, Master. I'll miss you, Anakin said sweetly. Oh, I'm sure. May the Force be with you. And then... Obi-Wan had gone off on his mysterious quest to the caves of Ilium, leaving his apprentice stranded here on Coruscant with a somewhat intimidating tutor as a stand-in, one who wanted to meet in the grand entrance hall about a ten-minute walk from anywhere really interesting or useful in the temple complex. Anakin sighed and withdrew a piece of circuitry he carried in his pocket. He was just fiddling with the blown transceiver relay attached to one of the wires, trying to tweak it back into working order, just for something to pass the time, when a shadow fell across him. He looked up into the blazing silhouette of Joris Chaboth, framed in the morning light from one of the tall windows set near the ceiling. Ah, here you are, the tall man growled out in his deep voice. His resemblance to Ben Atuyavi, the legendary mad wizard of Tatooine Dune Sea, was even more striking than before. Uh, good morning, Anakin replied, hastily shoving the bit of electronics back into his pocket. What have you there, Padawan? Master Jaboth inquired. The boy hesitantly withdrew the bit of wiring and held it out. Just something to work on when I'm bored or have nothing else to do, he explained, suddenly feeling lame and foolish. Obi-Wan was often exasperated with his hobby, but this older Jedi's expression was closer to disgust. 
A properly trained Padawan ought not to have any time on his hands to fill with trifling entertainments, he said. Clearly, your present master has not provided you with a sufficiently demanding course of study. Oh, that hadn't been what he meant quite. Actually, Master Obi-Wan keeps me pretty busy. It's just something I do. Joris Chaboth raised one white eyebrow. No matter, young Skywalker. I did not mean to impugn Master Kenobi. He has great potential. Yes? That sounded more promising. Indeed, and he has always been a late bloomer. It is to be hoped that someday he comes into his own as a Jedi. Anakin wrinkled his nose. Unlike you, Chaboth continued introspectively, you are quite the precocious one, aren't you? Now come. And he strode off towards the exit and the world outside, Anakin hurrying to keep up with his long stride. Garen Moon rolled over on the sleeping bunk in the passenger compartment of the light shuttle and opened one gray eye. Stop pacing. How's a man supposed to sleep, I ask you? His traveling companion stopped in mid-stride and raised both eyebrows. Perhaps, Master Moon, you should try the other sleeping compartment. It is located directly across the corridor. What, and leave you here to fret yourself into a frenzy? Why do you think Yoda told you to take someone else with you? It wasn't so I could enjoy the scenery. Obi-Wan crossed his arms and sat on the opposite bunk. The room was so narrow that their knees almost touched across the open space between the two fold-out cots. I thought it was so that you could benefit from my prudence and insight. That'll be the day. Sorry, old friend, you already have a Padawan. I'm not in line to be the next. But it was a wrong thing to say. Garen watched his friend's face carefully as the thin facade of humor faded to reveal uncertainty and tension. I wish I knew why he sent me in the first place. Obi-Wan admitted after a few moments. Garen leaned back slightly on his own bunk and surveyed him, reaching out in the force. They had grown up together in the temple, studied together, wrestled and played together, got into trouble on more than one occasion. The resulting shared discipline had undoubtedly sealed their lifelong friendship. "'You're frightened,' he said. "'I'm flattered.' Nobody has ever been that intimidated in my presence before. The jest fell flat. Is it Ilium? He tried again. Are you afraid of Ilium? Who wouldn't be? Obi-Wan shrugged. It's a fool who wanders into those caves without a certain degree of trepidation. True enough, Garen agreed, not yet satisfied that this was the full answer. But you've been there before. They both had, at different times, 
It was a place of choice to find a lightsaber crystal at a traditional coming-of-age ceremony. Obi-Wan looked up. Yes, but I was 13. At that point in time, I didn't yet know what failure truly means. And now? Now I do, Garen. I don't want to face those caves again, though I will. And I want even less to face the council again when we return to Coruscant. Ah, here it was, the real problem. Garen leaned forward and gripped his friend's arm. What in the galaxy do you have to fear from the council? We all know that you're going to end up on the council, lecturing and holding forth to anyone who will listen, issuing mandates and making up all sorts of new, thorny rules and strictures to obey. Obi-Wan chuckled in spite of himself. I'm not that bossy, he objected. I don't know, Garen mused. I'll have to ask your Padawan. Obi-Wan closed his eyes. Anakin may not be my Padawan much longer. Joris Chaboth is making a strong case for taking over the boy's training himself, having him formally removed from my tutelage. He can't do that, Garen exclaimed. The council won't approve. It's extremely irregular. I think the council is very tempted to approve it. His friend sighed. And you can well imagine why. All this talk of the prophecy and the chosen one. And given my inexperience and past mistakes, he made a soft gesture with his hand and let it drop. Garen took him by both shoulders. You're perfect, he said. Much better for Anakin than that crazy old Chaboth, the Conqueror. Garen! The sooner he gates his big project underway and gets his arrogant arts the hells out of this galaxy, the better for everyone. There, what do you say to that? Their eyes met, infectious mischief eddied in the force between them, echoes of childhood joy, the unembarrassed, fierce humor of new life without a care for propriety or consequences. I'm appalled, Obi-Wan grinned. They laughed and traded highly inappropriate and increasingly inventive epithets for the curmudgeonly old Jedi master until the conversation turned of its own accord in other directions. Come along now, young Skywalker. Yes, Master Chaboth. Anakin trotted to keep up with the billowing brown robe of Joris Chaboth as he strode down the exact center of the legislative building's hallway. On either side of him, aides and secretaries, and even senators themselves, bustled to get out of his way. It was like riding in the wake of a speeder boat across the high sea, or so Anakin imagined. Master Jaboth carved his way through the crowded corridor as though it were empty of all but himself. He did not have to ask for pardon or excuse himself. People seemed to make way for him out of a deep respect or a healthy sense of self-preservation. 
Anakin thought it was fascinating. At the door to a private conference chamber on the third level, Chaboth paused. We are here to discuss a project which I have dedicated many years to seeing underway, he told the young Jedi. Listen and learn. Inside were a collection of politicians and important officials. Anakin could tell that much from the clothing they wore, the number of secretaries and assistants and attendants behind them, and the air of entitlement and authority they exuded through the force. When Chaboth entered the room, their collective emotions tautened, creating a ripple effect. Respect, intimidation, fear, curiosity, worry, eagerness, nervousness. It was so distracting that Anakin didn't catch a single one of the names exchanged during the introductions. The proposed designs you have provided are completely unacceptable, Chaboth told the gathered company. You seem to lack the requisite imagination. Outbound flight is intended to seed colony worlds beyond the boundaries of the Republic, possibly in another galaxy. There can be no such thing as a conservative first attempt in the case of an ambition of this magnitude. There are various protests and mumblings from the political people. Anakin's mind was elsewhere. Outbound flight? He had never heard of it. The very mention of it sent a cold chill down his spine, but he couldn't say whether it was a promotion of danger or just the sheer thrill of adventure. His whole life he had dreamed of flying among the stars, of being the first person to see every planet in the galaxy. And he had always thought that he was the only one with such vast dreams. But here was another Jedi, one who dreamed beyond even what Anakin longed for, who wanted to leave the galaxy itself far behind and head out into the unknown. Master Chaboth, one of the officials was saying in a pained voice, you do not seem to understand the political implications, budget, policy, media opinion, Senate approval... I understand the political implications very well, Chaboth thundered. Are you suggesting that the plans ought to be subordinated by petty, practical, and political concerns? The official reddened slightly. No, but there is a balance to be struck between the mandates of the Jedi Order and the abilities and needs of ordinary people. Indeed. Chaboth growled. The latter ought to be informed by and have trust in the former. Anything else would be utter folly. There was more heated debate following this pronouncement. Anakin found his mind wandering again. Chaboth wasn't at all afraid of these politicians. In fact, it was evident to him, through the Force, that the politicians were a little afraid of him him. More intriguing than that, however, was the fact that Chaboth seemed comfortable asking, or rather, demanding what he wanted from them. As though there were a natural alliance of the political order and those who wielded the force. It was a bit different from the view that Obi-Wan had subtly, steadily imparted to him. Politicians, Politicians are, are not, not to be trusted. trusted. 
The Jedi must keep themselves aloof from particular political movements and causes. Beware the realm of politics, Padawan. The shifting sands of rhetoric and appearances are no place to discover the living force. And so on. Jaboth had a reputation, a public face. Everyone here knew exactly who he was. How did that fit with the idea of Jedi anonymity? Anakin had loved his one moment of fame on Tatooine, after the Bunta Eve pod race. What was wrong with fame? With being a somebody, rather than just a lowly nobody? A slave born to a slave on a nowhere world in the middle of nowhere. He didn't notice that the meeting had ended. He was alone in the room with Chiboth. Your mind is wandering, Padawan, the Jedi Master said sternly. I'm sorry, Master, his heart gave a thud. Tell me your thoughts, then. It was unthinkable to disobey Joris Chaboth. I was just wondering about something Master Obi-Wan always tells me. He paused, but the tall Jedi only nodded. He always says that a Jedi should be anonymous, should not crave public recognition or fame. Chaboth snorted. And <laughs> what do you think of that, Skywalker? Well... I grew up as a slave. I don't see what's wrong with proving yourself, with showing people what you can do, and with being able to convince them that you are who you are and not what they might think. Another thought struck him. Master Obi-Wan has done some great things. Why doesn't he want anyone to praise him for it? He deserves the honor. Jaboth frowned. Master Kenobi only repeats what he has been told, and if he is uncomfortable with public accolades, that is likely an indication that it is his destiny to play a less important or effective role in the history of the galaxy. We all gravitate to our natural place in the order of things. A born leader is never shy of admiration. Anakin scrunched up his nose and trotted back down the corridor at Chaboth's heels. Master, what's up on flight? he asked. A bold attempt to save what is best and untarnished in the Republic. I have foreseen dark times ahead, young Padawan. The Republic is floundering in a sea of darkness and corruption. The only hope we have is to preserve what is good and send it away into a new, unsullied future. The old and corrupt will have to die and be forgotten. His eyes took on a faraway, visionary look. Like an escape pod? Anakin said, unsure of what the old Jedi was raving about. Chaboth cocked a bushy eyebrow. From a burning ship, Padawan. Doesn't a good captain always go down with his ship? Joris Chaboth stopped and half-turned. His expression was intense, indecipherable. Only a fool goes down with a burning ship, young Skywalker. Only a fool. Chapter 5 
The mountains of Ilium guarded their treasures jealously. Steep, ragged slopes covered in ice deterred any but the few native Gundarks from climbing any higher than the tree line. Sudden storms raged over the peaks without predictable pattern, making it inadvisable to land a space or aircraft too near the summit. And, to one sensitive to such things, the height was suffused with the force, rich in its living power. It might give one a certain vertigo, a compliment to the more physical dizziness brought on by the sheer elevation, where the towering spars of rock thrust up into the inner atmosphere. Tell me again why you invited me on this little expedition, Garen Moon grumbled as pellets of ice splattered into the knee-deep snow on every side. The two Jedi used the Force to shield themselves from the onslaught. An easy matter. Its power flowed around them in a steady current, permeating every muscle, coiling like a foaming river around every thought. For your positive attitude and encouraging conversation, Obi-Wan replied, smiling to himself as he bent his head against the bitter wind descending from the mountaintop. They had just hiked past the cover of the tree line. Ahead lay a cave, a cave of crystal formations, minerals of exquisite beauty and unique properties, crystals that could refract, focus the force itself. They called out to their seekers, announcing their presence, a melody of soundless and achingly beautiful chimes. Every time I go somewhere with you, it means trouble, Garen observed. I'm not the one who decided to tangle with that dragon on. Thank you. I'm aware of that, Garen interjected. But you were the one who suggested we take the shortcut. Yes, but as I recall, I wasn't able to examine the map as thoroughly as I would have liked. Garen let loose a short bark of laughter, his breath forming an ephemeral white cloud. <laughs> Master Qui-Gon told me not to let you have it. He said that you would overthink the whole situation. He did? Garen laughed again, silently, until his sides ached as its companion muddled this over, chagrin and humor mixing in equal parts. He could feel every nuance in his friend's mood. The force was so full and transparent here. Last time I came here, it was with Qui-Gon. Garen took a few paces in silence. The topic of Master Qui-Gon Jinn was, under normal circumstances, forbidden territory. He waited for Obi-Wan to continue. After all, he had learned his lessons about tangling with delicate temperaments, like that dragon so many years ago. I don't understand why Yoda is so concerned about me carrying Qui-Gon's saber. It's an old tradition. Garen rolled his eyes. Here he goes. It can't be a question of competency. I've built a saber long before now. Garen shook his head. 
Unless it's a way to de-emphasize the teaching line because of Doku. Another few paces up the grueling slope. But that makes no sense. Qui-Gon had his moments with the council, and he said some of the same things as Doku did, but he never would have left the order. Garen sighed, biting back another laugh. You're overthinking it, he exclaimed. Obi-Wan grimaced, shot him a pained look, and kept going. It's not about Qui-Gon. It's about you, Bantha Brain. You don't need Qui-Gon's saber to symbolize your worthiness. You stand on your own. Make your own saber. You are a Jedi Knight because that's who you are, who you become. You can't be stained by Doku's shadow or even Qui-Gon's in the eyes of the Council. You aren't attached to them in that way. You choose for yourself. You are judged in your own right, and you fulfill your own destiny, not theirs. That's all he meant. Obi-Wan stopped dead and stared at him. No more worrying, Chosky head. Can we maybe take a break, Master? It's past dinner time. Joris Chaboth stilled any further protest with a single burning look. A Jedi does not concern himself with such trivialities. You will eat when the occasion arises. Anakin shifted where he stood, stomach growling uncomfortably. He hated being hungry. It reminded him of all the half-starved nights he had spent with his mother in Gardella, the hut's slave quarters, of the lean portions they could afford when they were owned by Watto. Surely your master does not indulge such a childish attitude, Chaboth said. Well, it's more like we have an understanding, Anakin struggled to explain. He says there's no point in starving your Padawan. Just makes everyone grumpy in the end. An immature perspective, Chaboth declared. One you would do well to outgrow. Now, the exercise, if you please. Anakin stifled a sigh and closed his eyes. Chaboth held the reader in front of him, randomly shifting images flickering across its screen. Though Anakin could not see the surface of the small handheld device, the clear outline of each successive figure popped into his mind as clearly as though he was looking over Chaboth's shoulder. It was, truth be told, stupefyingly easy. A speeder, a leaf, a cup... A sun, a rope, a hand, a thing with a hook at the end and a funny sort of ridged what's it at the other end? A vibro scythe, the Jedi Master supplied. Nothing, a hand, a doorway, a man, no, a Twi'lek man. Uh, excellent. Chaboth muttered, shutting down the device. Astounding. How often do you practice this? Anakin frowned. Like this, you mean? Never. 
Now Joris Jaboth narrowed his eyes. What standard test does your master employ to measure your powers? Anakin shrugged. I don't really know. Um, we don't really do this sort of thing at all. He doesn't make me do... test. Without a measure, it is difficult to know whether you have increased in potential and strength. Those with extraordinary powers are morally obliged to increase them further. Chaboth scowled. Actually... Master Obi-Wan usually lectures me about restraint, the boy admitted. That had Chaboth making a small noise of disgust. Listen to me, youngling. Restraint is not required of a Jedi with your level of talent. Much the opposite. You must push yourself to achieve greater and greater mastery. That is the Jedi path. To achieve mastery of the Force. I thought, what about service to the others? Yes, of course. Jaboth dismissed this with a wave of his hand. Mastery in order to give service. But never hold yourself back from some false sense of modesty or caution. Those are dangerous habits indeed. I fear you may come to emulate your master's timidity. Obi-Wan? Timid? That didn't quite match Anakin's experience of his teacher. True, he seldom charged straight into a sticky situation, and he always resorted to trickery or diplomacy if at all possible. But once the Sabak cards were on the table, so to speak, well... Anakin had been his Padawan long enough to have seen a thing or two. And he had overheard that conversation between Obi-Wan and Master Qui-Gon at the docking platform before the invasion of Naboo. That exchange had revealed much to his young and perceptive mind. Obi-Wan was bold enough to get right up in Master Qui-Gon's face, telling the older Jedi he was wrong. He was foolish and stubborn and deluded and that he flat out disagreed with his decision. The tension between the two Jedi had been unbearable, like two electric storms clashing high over the desert. There hadn't been much timidity on either side. I don't think that will happen, he said uncertainly. No, be sure it doesn't. I must say, were I in his place, I would encourage you to seek out new challenges daily, to stretch yourself past the conventional bounds of temple training. Now he had Anakin's full attention. That sounded like an invitation. And since Obi-Wan wasn't here to object... Master Chaboth, can I show you something? Out in the city, tomorrow... Something I've been wanting to try, only... Your master wouldn't permit it? Certainly. I look forward to it. Thank you, Master Chaboth. Chapter 6 
Never mind the visions that waited within the cave proper. It was hard enough just to pass beyond the threshold. Obi-Wan knelt down in a meditation posture, a few meters within the narrow opening of the cave he had chosen. Outside, Garen Moon stood alert to ward off any intruders, predatory or otherwise, which might stumble in and interrupt his quest for a lightsaber crystal. To locate the rare mineral within the cave complex was itself a feat, one requiring a translate state of the deepest concentration, an opening of the mind that rendered one vulnerable to apparitions, to memory, to the light for which the planet was also named, and also the dark. Moving through the glittering caves was a ceremony. It stripped a Jedi of his defenses and revealed his innermost core. The Force was gathered and magnified here to a resounding stillness. It beat beneath his pulse, swelled within each breath. It poured into his mind like a flooding river. He could run or resist and drown, or submit and flow with it upon its current. What was the first barrier, the first test to be? A false vision? A premonition of the future? No, a memory. Not buried deeply enough to escape the cave's subtle promptings. Full of sorrow and numb exhaustion. He was in Theed again, speaking to Anakin, just arrived back in the palace hangar bay with the remainder of the Nubian defense fleet. Fresh from destroying the Trade Federation's core ship, brimming with triumph and exhilaration. Where's Master Qui-Gon? the boy asked. Captain Panica had persuaded him, with difficulty, to let his own men see to the body. He was killed, Anakin. He dropped down to one knee, seeing the sudden shattering of the boy's joy, the shock and horror. Tears began dribbling from Anakin's eyes, splattering his already filthy tunic. The assassin? he asked. Obi-Wan nodded mutely. What about him? Anakin demanded fiercely, biting his lower lip, eyes alight with the desperate need for justice or vengeance. He was also killed, Obi-Wan told him heavily. You did it, Anakin said, looking him in the face, looking through him. I can feel what you did. I can see it. He stepped backwards as though burned. His face took on a new expression, one of awe and admiration and a strange fear. His eyes flicked to the lightsaber hanging on Obi-Wan's belt and he just stared and cried. Other people were approaching now. Security officers, pilots, the young queen, one of the absurd Gungans. Players in a surreal charade. The Force still shuddered with the violence of Qui-Gon's death, the swift and bitter destruction of his Sith foe. Anakin could feel it too. Make it stop, he whimpered between silent sobs, looking at Obi-Wan with the seeds of anger, of desperate fear, smoldering in his eyes, in the Force. 
Obi-Wan felt fear then, too. Fear for what he had sworn to do. Knowledge that he would never back out of his promise, come what may. What had he done? The queen ran up to them, shepherded the boy away, enfolding him in an embrace, drawing him into the warm, protective circle of her handmaidens. Leaving the young knight outside, alone, as the force snowed down grief and death upon him. Alone with his promise. The pilots and mechanics and security personnel went about their business. The Gungans jabbered and rambled about. The hangar bay swarmed with frenetic activity. He watched the retreating form of the boy, who would just look up at him with such old, old eyes, whom he had promised to make his own student, whom he knew with a grim certainty of premonition would change his life forever. And he understood that power, to Anakin, was intoxicating and terrifying. He vowed, then and there, never to unleash his own in quite the same way again. To practice and teach restraint, humility, patience, and compassion above all else, for both their sakes. The cavern seemed to breathe out again. The unbearable heaviness of the air eased a trifle. He stood and moved forward, letting the memory fade. Yes, Anakin... A Jedi is someone who can channel overwhelming power, but so is the Sith. What makes a Jedi is this, that he can do this, but he chooses not to most of the time. He chooses to renounce the way of power and take up the path of humility, to serve, not to rule, to be nothing, not something. That is what makes a Jedi, not his ability, not his power, but this power bounded by self-negation. Ice crunched under his boots as he walked slowly through the cave, deeper and deeper into its heart. Sparkling mineral deposits veined the walls. Fantastic formations of crystal ornamented the cracks and crevices of its walls, but not yet the ones he needed. They were deeper still, buried in the living rock, responding to his presence and answering his intrusion with a brief panoply of apparitions and mirages. All those who had ever sought his destruction or defeat swarmed before him, one after another, crowding the edges of consciousness, neither wholly within or without. Darth Maul, Xanatos, and Brock Chun, and many others, a horde of Chakrin pirates, a footman droid, bounty hunters and assassins and slave drivers and Mandalorian warriors and proud rulers of other worlds and soldiers from yet others and Raxus and Noid from Antar Four, and the slave drivers from Bandomir and a mess of ravenous fire beetles and a dragon beast and countless other beings and there, in their midst, the imposing figure of Joris Chaboth dark eyes gleaming with a strange light. 
that didn't make sense. But then, it didn't need to. He pushed on, ignoring the visions with difficulty. They shouted and swirled around him, seeking to delay his progress, bring him to a halt. Why should Joris Chaboth be counted among his enemies? An enemy, hmm? An enemy one whom you fear is. Yoda's words echoed in memory. If that was true, then why did he fear Chaboth? The other Jedi meant him no personal harm, surely. He only wished to take Anakin as his own student. He only wished to board a Leviathan spaceship and sail clear out of the known galaxy in search of pure, unsullied worlds on which to found a personal utopia, an obsessive fantasy. I fear his obsession. I fear what it could do to Anakin. I fear that I am helpless to stop him, that I will be overruled and the matter decided without my say. Which would be victorious in the debate before the council? Chaboth's dearest desire or Qui-Gon's dying wish? You're overthinking it. It's not about Qui-Gon. It's about you, Chaseki head. He smiled. Garen was right. Neither Chaboth nor Qui-Gon would have more sway with the council. In fact, the question was not whether Chaboth could convince the council, it was whether he could convince Obi-Wan. Were his accusations true or not? The only strength and meaning his arguments had were in the seeds of doubt he had planted in his opponent's mind. He looked the phantasm of Joris Chaboth in the eye. No, he told it. The illusions faded and scattered, seeping back into the walls of the cave, evaporating like a jungle mist at daybreak. And straight ahead, pulsing invisibly, sounding out a deep, pure, resonant note in the force, was a brilliant ilium crystal. It sank a low, sweet, and sad melody within the silent harmony of the plenum, when he touched it gently with two fingers, it sent a thrill through him, like the current of a deep river cascading from the heights. It was a beautiful specimen, cerulean blue like the skies of some young and innocent world. When he touched it with the force, it snapped away from the living stone from which it had grown, and he simultaneously felt the snap at the base of his spine. He held it in his hand wondering that he hadn't noticed it before, and knowing that he might never understand. He carefully set it inside the inner pocket of his tunic, next to his heart, and turned to leave. The first task was complete. Anakin instructed the air taxi driver to drop them off outside the industrial sector proper. It was what he normally did when he made one of those rare but delightful trips away from the temple to explore the pleasures of Coruscant's galactic city at his own leisure. Of course, such expeditions had to be undertaken secretly, which made them all the more enticing. This time, he was traveling in quest of new thrills and challenges, with the explicit permission of his teacher, 
or at least the permission of Joris Chaboth. What Obi-Wan might think about this trip, well, that didn't matter. And if all went well, he would never find out. The Lychee District wasn't one of the most affluent parts of the city planet to begin with, and its abandoned industrial sector, which had been a prime shipyard in its day, before the Atlantine Six and Vandor and other sites had rendered it obsolete, was still cluttered with the rusting and decaying corpses of old ships and machinery used to build them. Vast warehouses and decrepit hangar bays and old foundries sprawled in every direction. Between them was threaded the remains of an old maglev transport system, dating from an era when repulsor lifts were still too expensive for common use. The magrails made a spiderweb of intersecting and radiating lines, joining the various buildings in the district. A secondary outer system united them in a kind of highway system, a magnificent, if somewhat dilapidated, construct covering countless clicks of distance as it looped and wove through the various sub-districts in one continuous line. The public transports and heavy freighter cars which had once used this rail were long ago scrapped and gone. But... Those small vehicles on the track... Chaboth squinted at the spectacle of brightly colored pods now zipping at breakneck speeds along the track so small that four could fit side by side across the wide band of mag track. They're racers, Anakin whispered reverently. Racers which required no engine. Racers that were propelled by the maglev system itself, so light and maneuverable that to pilot one would feel like riding a lightning bolt down the sky, like skimming on thought itself. He was breathless and speechless. Just think. Obi-Wan had actually discovered this place before he had. Obi-Wan would never even think of getting into one of those racers. He would probably rather be thrown into a rancor pit, bound hand and foot without his lightsaber. You wish to pilot one of those racers, Chaboth observed calmly. Yes, master, Anakin admitted ruefully. But I know it's... Then why don't you? The silver-haired Jedi Master demanded. Anakin gaped. Uh, because it's forbidden? There is no such prohibition in the code. Why would you hesitate to reach out and grasp at your ambition, young Skywalker? Who is going to stop you? You are a Jedi. Once you form a purpose in your mind, do not deviate from it or hesitate and second-guess yourself. There is no try. Do or do not. And you came here to pilot one of those racers. Oh, well, actually, I was just curious because of something Obi-Wan told me. I just wanted to look and... You there! Chaboth hailed a tall and thin humanoid slinking his way toward a nearby hangar. What is your business here? The man stopped and stared at them, his mouth popping open in surprise, and then fear as his eyes came to rest on Chaboth's lightsaber, hanging very visibly at his side. Oh, I work here, 
the unfortunate being Glide. There are no operational factories here, the tall Jedi scoffed. Do not try and deceive me. You are here to enter these illegal races. I? No, it is illegal, as you say. I surely would never be involved in anything so questionable. The man nervously patted his vest pockets and shifted on the spot. No, then what is this? With a deft flick of his hand, Jabbah summoned a lightweight ignition coder from the man's inner pocket. It flew into the Jedi's open hand. Nothing, the terrified humanoid squeaked. No, and if I were to enter this hangar, I would not discover an illegal racing pod waiting for your use. One that will match this key exactly. The miserable would-be racer made a sorrowful face. Please don't turn me over to the authorities. It'll be my ruin. I have a family. I know nothing of that. Jabbah said scornfully. The man dropped to his knees. Please, he begged, whatever you say. Jabbah held up an imperious hand. Very well, you will leave this place and never return. I will take this key as a pledge of your good conduct. Return to your normal pursuits and do not indulge in this dangerous and criminal activity any longer. Do this and I will forget that I saw you here. The man cringed and sobbed his agreement, and took his leave in a hurry, casting looks over his shoulder as though he half expected Chaboth to hurl a thunderbolt at his back. When the man had departed, Chaboth gave the ignition key to Anakin. There you are, Padawan. One attempt will be sufficient to test your skills and satisfy your curiosity. It was a statement, not a question or even a suggestion. Anakin stood unmoving. He seemed scared. Of course he was. The weak-minded have only two modes of existence. Delusional self-confidence and fear. And it's his racer. I mean, is it right to just take it like that? It was not right for him to have it. I have merely set him on a better path in his life and therefore served his best interest. That is our duty as Jedi. But did you have to be rude? Jabath lowered his eyebrows and bestowed a withering look on the boy who stood so stubbornly before him. There is no question of such a breach of manners between a Force-sensitive and one who is bereft of the Force. We do not owe the same courtesy to such a person as we do our fellow Jedi. You must be more aware of your inherent dignity, young Skywalker. Command respect. It is your birthright. Anakin nodded, not quite sure about any of this. The ignition key felt cool and smooth between his fingers. Chaboth stood, waiting for him to speak. Let's have a look at the racer, the boy decided.
Chapter 7 Do you need any help? Garen Moulin asked. The pilot of the small diplomatic ship extracted his head and shoulders from the storage compartment and looked at the Jedi in surprise. No, sir, he replied. Just thought I'd make some use of the spare time. Replace some of the console lights and fix up a few of the loose bits I found in the computer interface panels. Housekeeping. If I can find the spare parts, he added with a grin. Oh, well, I was hoping you needed assistance, to be quite frank. We might be here a while. The pilot backed up a pace and dusted off his Republic Diplomatic Corps uniform. I see. Going to take a bit of time, is it? Sorry, I don't really know anything about it. I mean, Master Kenobi. Is he building it here, on the ship? Karen nearly laughed aloud at the nervous look on the man's face. Why so apprehensive? The pilot blushed, but Garen smiled encouragingly, so he cleared his throat and plowed onward. They say that a botched lightsaber, well, that if one doesn't get it right, it can blow up. Garen shrugged. True. Then, because the poor fellow looked so stricken, he added, But there's no need to worry. He's really very good. I can promise you. We grew up together, you know. The pilot grabbed a box of circuitry and lighting components from a shelf and slammed the compartment hatch shut. Really? That's odd. I guess I never thought about that, either. I mean, you don't mind me talking about this. I know it's not really protocol. But I'm easy to talk to? Garen made a face. Well, every Jedi had a special talent. He liked to think that his was in the realm of piloting. But he had to admit that people everywhere had a habit of spilling their guts to him. Sometimes it came in useful. Sometimes not so much. He was, like it or not, what they called approachable. Unlike his best friend, who when he felt like it, could exude a wall of cool reserve so solid that blaster bolts would rebound off of it. Sure. Anyway, they say you Jedi don't have any family. No real ties to anyone at all. Garen relieved him of the heavy box and led the way to the cockpit, where the minor adjustments needed to be made. It was all routine, boring maintenance, but it was good to have the company. Obi-Wan was in a trance, absorbed in building his new lightsaber, and strictly not to be disturbed. You believe that? he asked. The pilot held up his hands noncommittally and started installing the new interface components, discarding the used one in a neat pile at his feet. Garen handed him the new pieces from the storage box. Do you have any family? Sure, on Coruscant. Wife and two kids. Corellian in-laws, that's a lot of fun, I can tell you. Life's pretty good at home, but I don't see enough of it. Four more years in the course, and I'm going to retire early. Start a private courier business, you know? Better for the kids to have a dad at home. Might still be able to move back to Corellia. They could know their grandparents better. We could fish in the seas there. Water's still clean. There's plenty to catch. 
Sounds wonderful, the young Jedi replied politely. The whole scenario was far outside his experience. The man unbent from the task and ran a routine system reboot on the shipboard computer. He certainly knew his business. You Jedi retire eventually? Ever settle down? Garen cocked his head to the side. Not really. We're the restless types, mostly. The pilot chuckled. <laughs> it's funny, he said. You're really pretty human. I'm all human, actually. That's not what I meant. Can I ask you something personal? What's it like? Being full of the force all the time. The young knight sobered. You already know, he said earnestly. You're full of it right now, all the time. You just don't feel it. But everyone, every living being, moves and breathes and thinks and feels with the Force. Not just Jedi. The pilot studied him seriously for a few moments and then blinked. Hey, that's wonderful. Really, thank you. You're welcome. Now what about some food? I'm starving. The pilot turned out to be a cunning chef. After all, anyone who could turn stale ship rations into anything remotely appealing and edible had to be credited with some extraordinary skill or ingenuity. After dinner and a game of sabak, which he lost because he had no taste for such things, Garin poked his head into the aft cabin. He had felt the subtle change in the force during the card game and knew that his friend was finished. After twelve hours of intense force-guided crafting and painstaking adjustments. Now, as he peeked into the tiny room, he saw the small container of alloy metal parts and power cell circuits, which they had brought from the temple, neatly tucked in one corner. Their snow gear, which had been damp and heavy with frost, was tossed across one of the bunks and Obi-Wan was sprawled atop the other, fully dressed and sound asleep. The gleaming hilt of his new handiwork, already hanging at his belt, caught and reflected the beam of light shafting in from the passageway. Garen entered and peered closely at the new saber, not touching it. Beneath the silver alloy casing, the hilt grip was rigid, like Qui-Gon's, a tribute to the great Jedi. The outer design was more antique in design, symmetrical, elegant lines, and a rounded pommel ornamented with blunt crenellations. Very old school. Understated. Typical Obi-Wan. Garen had seen the crystal before his friend had set about the difficult task of building the weapon itself. The crystal was compact, full of fiery light. A shockingly cold and cutting blue. Gorgeous. The formal, unassuming exterior of the saber was hiding place for this secret fire. The blade would be pure, bright, and unusually powerful. Also, he reflected, somehow typical of its owner. He dropped the snow gear onto the deck and flopped down onto the other bunk. Their mission here was accomplished. Garen shut his eyes. 
His last thought before drifting off was, Watch, Watch out, out, Joris Chava, you old son of a gun dark. Watch out. Anakin grasped the directional controls of the speeder more firmly and took the next turn at a sharp angle, allowing the little pod to slip nearly off the edge of the maglev track as the centrifugal force of his speed threw him around the bend. This thing was sweet, all right. Fitted with a mag unit instead of an engine, the pod had little weight. No weight meant no drag, and no drag meant... Well, this just couldn't get any better. There were four other racers in front of him, blocking the track ahead in a tight pack. Casually, he increased the magnetic field intensity, and his tiny scoop of a vehicle shot forward. The genius of building such tiny pods, nothing more than a one-man shell sitting atop an industrial-strength maglev unit and equipped with a bare minimum of steering and speed regulators, was that running such a featherweight contraption along a track designed to move massive freight trains was like harnessing a rickety wagon to a hyperdrive ring. Genius. He caught up with the four racers ahead, nearly slamming into their taillights, and then used the force to nudge himself upwards, just two meters, maybe a little less. He soared over their heads and then skidded back down onto the track, cushioned by the magnetic resistance. The curses of those he had just jumped were impossible to hear through the bubble of the cockpit, but he could feel their dismay and shock through the force. Straight ahead was another tight curve. This time he hugged the inside, taking the loop as fast as he dared, approaching another competitor. The idea of the race, so far that he could make out, was to complete six circuits of the wide highway system. Over a hundred pods had been entered in the illegal competition, and he had heard the rumor that the prize offered to the winner was a small fortune. More than he had won on Tatooine at the Bunta Eve pod race. Coral gambling was a lucrative pastime. Many of the racers here were patronized by rich businessmen, famous celebrities, probably a few greedy politicians. The entry fee would have been staggering. This was a game for the elite, with a purse to match. Not that Anakin cared about that. No, he was lost in a dream of speed and power. He loved racing. Always had, always would. Now, as he jumped over the next group of racers, in the same way he had surpassed the last set, he grinned with ferocious delight. This was going to be another easy victory for Anakin Skywalker, ex-slave, champion pod racer, and future Jedi. The pod in front of him veered sharply to the right, dropping a small object out of a concealed hatch in its undercarriage. The heavy gray box clumped onto the magnetic rail directly in Anakin's path. On reflex, he pulled his craft to the right to avoid the collision and jerked violently to the left instead. He reduced speed and found himself spinning out of control. Poodoo, he hissed between gritted teeth, pulling and punching at the controls. The thing on the rails must be a field disruptor. It had broken and disturbed the magnetic current 
sending his little pod flying out of control. He had spun across the track, edging dangerously close to the rim and a hundred meter drop onto the permacrete below. Vaguely, he was aware of another racer zooming into range and falling into the same trap. The new pod actually flipped end over end when it hit the disruptor's sphere of influence and plummeted over the edge. A third pod hit the affected area at breakneck speed and spun out, careening towards Anakin on a collision course. The driver's shriek of terror tore through the force like fire. Anakin reached out and seized the flying pod with his mind, threw it back onto the track, away from himself. The effort made him shudder. Did I do that? Did I really do that? The force flowed through him, a turbulent rush of wind and light. His own ship plummeted off the edge of the rail in slow motion. He slammed open the cockpit and jumped clear, sailing through the air and missing the edge. He fell, somersaulting, remembering to stay calm as Obi-Wan had drilled into him and spotted the strut below. His fingers fumbled, found his cable launcher, activated it. He was past the strut now. It was above. He fired and waited for the jolt. His arms screamed in protest as he jerked to a stop at the end of the dangling wire. He swayed in the breeze, gazing down at his pod as it found its way to the distant city understories and exploded into flames. He could almost hear Obi-Wan's voice ringing with exasperation. Well... That was brilliant. Suicide is not the Jedi way. I hope you're satisfied, Anakin. Sorry, he muttered. Sorry. And began to climb up the cable and onto the support beam. From there, it was an easier ascent, force leaping along the huge trestles until he had regained the edge of the track. By now, the race would be over, and the winner exulting in his triumph. Probably the poodoo head who had dropped the field disruptor in his path. Bitterly, he glanced back along the length of mag rail where the disaster had begun. Joris Chaboth was striding calmly down the center of the track, white hair and beard blowing in the light wind, dark cloak billowing around him. What happened? he demanded. There was another racer. He used the field disruptor. Someone else went over the edge, too. I could only save one. I lost my pod, too. I guess this was a bad idea. His shoulders slumped. Chaboth didn't issue the expected reprimand. Which racer was the cheat? He asked. I could identify him if I saw him, but... Then let us go investigate. Such an action ought not to be left unpunished. Anakin's jaw dropped, but he didn't dare argue with the imposing Jedi Master. Silently, he trotted along behind Chaboth as they made their way to the end of the course and to the winner's circle. Chapter 8 
Obi-Wan started awake, hand on lightsaber hilt. The sleeping compartment aboard the diplomatic cruiser was dark. Somewhere nearby, Garmoon also stirred into wakefulness, sensing the disturbance in the force created by his friend's sharp reaction. Danger? he whispered. Obi-Wan shook his head. A dream. He had seen Anakin fall from a great height. There had been flames and explosions, and a sickening sense of speed and reckless abandon, malicious intent. The elements of the vision clouded together in a retreating fog. He banished the images from his mind. And yet, intuition left the thin thread of certainty behind. All was not well. He went forward to the cockpit, where the pilot was resting in his chair, the shipboard computer keeping all systems on standby as they sailed through hyperspace at an economical, unhurried speed. Only a small exponential multiple of the speed of light. Obi-Wan tapped him gently on the shoulder. Hmm? The pilot grunted, suddenly snapping to attention as he realized who was standing over him. I apologize, Master Jedi. Is there something wrong? No, no. Nothing to do with our journey, Obi-Wan explained apologetically. But I must request we drop back into real space at the first convenient opportunity. I need to send a transmission to Coruscant. The pilot turned to the nav computer and made a few short calculations. Easy, he said. Just ten minutes. We'll drop in off the far side of the mid-rim gap. Good spot for communications. Nothing's ever happening over there. Thank you. By the time they had reverted to normal space and found an open comm relay system, Garen had appeared in the cockpit behind them, full of silent curiosity. The transmission to the temple was transferred to Yoda directly. Obi-Wan, the tiny master's holographic image grumbled. In the mid-rim, are you already? Expected back for another two days, you were not. I work fast, he explained tersely. I did not understand that there was a specific schedule implied in the assignment. Yoda eyed him keenly, rumbling deep in his throat at the mild sarcasm. Troubled you are. Ill news you have? I hope not, master. But is all well with Anakin? Yoda's ears twitched. Incapable hands is your Padawan, Obi-Wan. Yes, Master, but I have a bad feeling. Yoda shifted his weight and looked sideways at somebody off the Holoplate's video transceiver range, most likely Mace Windu. Then his gaze returned to the camera. Hmm. Nothing you can do from such a distance. Master Chaboth's problem is this, for the moment. I understand, Obi-Wan said, not bothering to hide his displeasure. Yoda ignored his tone. Built a new saber, have you? he asked. Yes, Master, it is complete. Impressive, that is. Return to the temple. Much for you to do, is there? When the link was severed and the pilot had recalculated their coordinates and eased them back into hyperspace, Garen spoke up. 
There are your words of comfort. Whatever trouble Anakin may have found for himself, he has Master Joris Chaboth to help him. Obi-Wan smiled bitterly. And that makes it so much better. You, Joris Chaboth, addressed the Doug who had won the illegal race. How do you take pleasure in your victory when it was gained by deceit rather than skill? His deep voice boomed out over the crowd, and the drinking and carousing many of the beings in the pavilion ceased, all heads turning towards the source of the conflict. What bantha poodoo you spit at me, old stupid human, the dog responded in broken basic, sloshing half his mousternium over the rim of the long-stemmed glass he held in one of his feet. My friend here witnessed you using the field disruptor to gain an advantage in the race, Jaboth thundered on, unperturbed. Do you deny it? An outbreak of angry murmurs erupted at this accusation, and some of the more inebriated members of the Celetrabori gathering moved closer to the dug, threateningly. The champion glanced contemptuously around him, and the met Chiboth's eyes levelly. I no care for your chizak, old fart. Your little slop brat, lucky to be alive. Who you that I care about what you think? In the blink of an eye, Chaboth's lightsaber was in his hand and ignited. Its spitting buzz silenced the whole room, and the dog's face was cast into sharp shadow by its bright glare. Oh, Je Jedi, he stuttered, sloshing more of the drink down his front. I suggest... You show proper respect, Chaboth growled, and hand over your winnings to me. You are unworthy to have them. The dog scowled and thrust a foot into the pocket of his close-fitting racer's jacket. He withdrew a small pouch, which he tossed to Anakin. It clinked as it hit his hand. Jedi Chara Quis, the dog spat downing the remainder of his drink and ordering another with a wave of his free foot. His slitted eyes watched the saber warily, but his posture was proud and defiant. Before Anakin could draw a breath, Jabbaugh flicked one hand, a tiny motion, and sent the dug sprawling backwards off his barstool and onto the ground, his glass shattering on the bar as he fell. He jumped up to return the compliment in kind, but several of the other patrons held him back, sensing that such an encounter would end in disaster and an unsightly mess. Chaboth cast a dark look around the entire assembly and spun on his heel to the exit, causing several other beings to leap and scramble out of the way as he made a line for the door. Anakin followed closely behind, casting several looks over his shoulder at the stunned and fearful beings in the winner's pavilion. The dug caught his eye. "'Kiss your master's feet, little Jedi slave brat,' he spat out. "'In honor about tonight, Slimo, in the pit, 
filthy coward, he challenged. Anakin turned, frowning, and hurried to catch up with Chaboth's long stride. What's an honor about? he asked the Jedi Master. A barbaric custom, a form of dueling in which some dispute over property or social standing is resolved through hand-to-hand combat, a dug tribal custom. Oh, he just challenged me back there. Pay him no heed, Chaboth counseled sternly. It is beneath your dignity as a Jedi to give any attention to such an inferior being's ravings. His notions of honor and justice do not apply to you. Anakin hurried along, still fuming. The Dug had called him a slave. A shot in the dark, but one that had hit its mark. Now, Shaboth decided. That money, it should be given to a worthy cause. The boy brightened. It's a lot of cash. What about one of the relief shelters? The ones that take in vagabonds and escape slaves from the rim worlds. They could use a donation. Jaboth studied him thoughtfully. Your desire to improve society is admirable. But there are even more pressing matters which need funding. Give me the pouch. Anakin handed it over, wondering what could be more important than relieving the suffering of the galaxy's poorest and most miserable denizens, but unwilling to argue with Chaboth. After all, it looked as though he was not going to be upbraided at all for his part in today's racing misadventure. And what Obi-Wan might say about that, he really didn't want to imagine. Where are you going? Garmoon demanded, one foot already inside the airspeeder, standing ready to take them back to the temple complex. I thought you were eager to find out how your Padawan had been faring. I am, Obi-Wan answered. Just make my excuses. I'll be back as soon as possible. There's something I need to look into first. Oh, I've heard that before. Garen rolled his eyes. Very well. If anyone asks, I have no idea where you are. Which will be quite true. They bowed to each other, and Garen stepped lightly into the speeder waving the driver to take off into the streams of air traffic crowding and streaming on every side. Obi-Wan turned and made his way to a large public transport airbus, which promised to stop in the Garlab District transport hub just outside Coco Town. If anyone might know where in Coruscant to look for the specific kind of trouble he was anticipating, it would be Dex. Obi-Wan! The enormous Bessilus roared affectionately as he entered. Well, now, that's better. It's only been a matter of months this time. Really, Dex, he replied. Ugh, not so hard. You'll break something. The owner of Dexter's Diner, a greasy spoon establishment in the heart of Coco Town, 
waggled his throat sack and released the Jedi from his suffocating embrace. Grouchy. Tisk tisk. What's bothering ya, huh? Trouble with the ladies? Difficult to believe now. Hardly, Obi-Wan said repressively. I was wondering if you knew anything about the new Maglev racing strip out in the Leechy district? Not a thing, the basilisk bellowed, winking and beckoning his guests back into the kitchens where nobody could hear them. Why would I know anything about illegal racing? I'm a respectable citizen, you know. They squeezed through the revolving doors and threaded their way past the busy cooks inside Dexter's noisy, bustling kitchen. Clouds of steam and shouted orders filled the air. The scent of inexpensive cooking oils was choking. Dex shoved open the heavy door to a refrigerator unit and stepped inside, pulling Obi-Wan after him. In the icy silence and privacy of the cooler, surrounded by packages of prefab protein board and other ingredients, the basilisk flashed his toothsome grin. Well now, this is better. Is it? I was held prisoner in one of these things for twelve hours once. No fear, old buddy. The Jedi ain't on the menu. Now, what can I do for ya? Illegal maglev racing, is it now? Well, what do you know? Plenty. Place is the newest thing. Takes an Odoronium bank account to enter. High stakes, high payoffs. But the pilots are the usual scumbags. Local high rollers hire pilots from all over the place to drive those things. Little machines run on Magfield. Just a light shell, kind of like a pod racer with no engines. Pod racer? Yep. Wouldn't get involved in it myself. I'm too respectable. And I ain't stupid. Rumor is, there's always a bit of blow-up after these contests. Cheating and dirty driving, you know. Everybody doing death sticks and other trash and all. And then somebody wants your blood and there's a duel. Obi-Wan felt a shiver run down his spine, and not from the cold of the refrigerator room either. Say there's some kind of duel. Where might such an event be held? Dex drew himself up indignantly. Why would you think I have any idea about that? I'm not involved in. Oh, hush, Dex. We both know you know. Where? The Bessela shoved two of his four enormous hands into the belt of his sagging pants. All right. Likely a spot is the pit. Cage fighting gladiator style, you know. Dogs and others like that just love it. Most folks go there to take out a grudge. That way, the loser remains ain't likely to be found if you take my meaning. The house cleans up real good after about. The pit, Obi-Wan repeated, grimacing at the grisly implications of Dex's description. And where would I find that? Are you serious? You're going to want to go back up down there, old buddy? 
Not a place for a nice fellow like you. Ain't civilized at all. You underestimate me. Dex laughed, a warm sound rolling up from his wide belly and making his reptilian tongue flick against his disorderly rows of yellow teeth. Ha! Never, Obi-Wan. Never, he assured the Jedi. Just be careful is all. I shall. Don't fret. By the way, where is that little whippersnapper Padawan of yours? I can only guess, Obi-Wan replied darkly, and I hope my guess is wrong. Chapter 9 Evening fell early on Coruscant. The northern hemisphere, in which the legislative district and the temple precinct were situated, was deep in the winter season, and the days were relatively short, although the meteorological regulators in orbit kept the weather well under control. George Chaboth had been waiting a full twenty minutes for Anakin Skywalker to appear for a late lesson. He had made the appointment earlier, and knew the boy would not forget. Punctilious was a virtue Chaboth held in high esteem. He made his way down to the fourth-level concourse, heading straight for the student dormitories. It was time to issue a sharp reminder. He located Skywalker's door with ease and waved it open without activating the chime or waiting for an invitation. The room was empty. At least empty of its inhabitant. The floor, the study desk, the bed, and most of the closet space was crammed with circuitry and droid parts, evidence of an unbecoming and childish hobby. He frowned, picked up the half-finished carapace of a modified training remote, and dropped it to the floor. The whole scene was a testament to the most un-Jedi-like lack of discipline. He summoned the boy on his comm link again, but received no answer. This will never do, the tall man muttered under his breath. Garen Moon had to dodge out of the way as Joris Jaboth stalked down the central staircase in the south wing. Pardon me, master, he exclaimed, tucking himself neatly against a wall as the white-haired figure stormed past. Chaboth stopped and turned to face him. Ah, Master Moon, is it? I take it that you and Master Kenobi have returned, then. Yes, we are just back. And where is Master Kenobi, if I might ask? Garen shrugged. I'm sorry, Master Chaboth. I have no idea where he is at the moment. Do you need to speak with him? No, that is not necessary. I assumed young Skywalker had gone to greet him. Garen felt his eyebrows draw together slightly. I don't believe he has, Master. The last time I saw Master Kenobi, he was alone at the spaceport. He hasn't returned to the temple yet, I believe. Ah. Chivas swept away without thanks or explanation, his stride even longer than normal. 
and his face even sterner than usual. Garin watched him go, with a growing feeling of apprehension. So the cranky old barb didn't know where Anakin was. That couldn't be good. How many stories had Obi-Wan told him about the boy's habit of disappearing and seeking out trouble? It looked like he was up to it again, and Joris Jaboth wasn't at all pleased. Nor did he have the first clue of what to do about it. And why should he be here? Vorkara Che, the senior Jedi healer, demanded of Joris Chaboth. Her blue twillic leku twitched in irritation. He is not anywhere else in the temple premises, and he has not responded to my summons on the comm link, Chaboth said haughtily. Is it so illogical to suppose that some harm or illness has befallen him? Well... Vokarache sniffed. He's not here in the halls of healing, thankfully. I see enough of him and Master Kenobi as it is. Chaboth bit back a curse. He had truly run through all the likely options. The boy had indeed disappeared, and it now seemed that he had left the temple entirely, a completely forbidden move on the part of a Padawan his age. Do you require assistance, Master Chaboth? The healer asked pointedly, with a twinge of dry humor. Perhaps you should seek the help of Master Yoda. Yes, perhaps I should, Chaboth snapped back in a tone that made it clear that this was not an appealing idea. She watched him go with a feeling of mild confusion. What in the name of the Force had the Council been thinking when it assigned Chaboth to oversee Anakin Skywalker's education, even for a few days? A less salutary combination of Jedi she could not imagine. Shaking her head, she turned and went back to her other duties, wondering if the overbearing Jedi Master would really get any help from Yoda at all. Misplace the Padawan, have you, Master Chaboth? Yoda said comically, his ears perking straight up. How embarrassing. Chaboth bristled. The boy's misbehavior can hardly be laid at my doorstep, he growled. No, Yoda agreed. Lost him many times, Master Kenobi has also. Chaboth made an impatient gesture. That would seem to indicate a certain lack of competence, he snorted. <sighs> An unfortunate habit of encouraging such behavior. What has he done to correct the situation? Found the boy Obi-Wan has, Yoda observed with a sly nod of his head. Many times. Good at finding he has become. Wise and cunning. The comparison was not wasted on Joris Chaboth. He scowled deeply. I do not wish to waste your time, Master Yoda, he said tartly. I had hoped that you might have some insight into the boy's whereabouts. Hmm, Yoda replied. I? I think not. But know to whom you should go, hmm? 
Master Kenobi returned from Ilium is. Yes, ask his assistance. Perhaps you should. Joris Chabot's eyes flashed dangerously. He bowed and took his leave without answering. The interview was over. Anakin crouched in the shadows cast by a hollow board display. The air taxi driver knew exactly the place he had requested to be brought, but was unwilling to drop him off closer than a few blocks away. I ain't getting involved in that scene, he had said gruffly, taking his payment and reversing out of the narrow loading zone with undue haste. That scene was indeed not something any respectable Coruscanti would go anywhere near. To Anakin, who grew up in Gardella the Huts and Watto the Junk Merchant's seedy enclaves, the scene was familiar. Predictable. A sort of indoor arena had been erected inside the abandoned warehouse, outfitted with striating light banks and a dais in the central area. On this raised platform was a giant cage, actually the outer reinforcement housing of a massive sublight drive like the kind a heavy freighter might carry. The interior engine had been stripped away, leaving the bones of the reinforced Duras steel armature, a net of unbreakable bars enclosing a space the size of a comfortable lounge and roughly equal in height and width. The beings bustled about the arena, making bets, gossiping, drinking, and here and there, brawling, exuded one thing above all. It made the force turgid and dark. Bloodlust. Anakin knew exactly what this was. A gladiatorial arena. The Huts loved such things. He just hadn't been aware such pursuits existed right here in the heart of the Galactic Republic. The Doug, who had insulted him earlier, was prominent in the crowd, strutting his stuff, chest puffed out with pride. Feet held high and relaxed in front of him as he waddled through the jostling crowd on his hands. It was a short force leap down into the arena proper. In half a minute, he found himself face to face with the obnoxious racer. Hi, Poodoo Breath, he said cheerfully. The dog started and reached out one foot to poke him in the chest. So little idiot boy, you wish to die tonight? I am ready. That's good, Slimo, cause this is the last time you're gonna cheat and kill just to get a bag of money. The dog laughed, sneering at the threat. Listen, Jedi brat thing. We fight. No weapons. Think you are man enough to insult me? Prove it. Anakin knew he wasn't supposed to let anger get the better of him. That was a central maxim. But he was way past the point of no return. And hadn't Master Chabath told him that he should not tolerate abuse from such an inferior being? What was the point of being a Jedi if he couldn't teach a barg like this Doug a badly needed lesson? Power was there to be used, wasn't it? For the good, of course. Okay, he said. Your mistake. There was a whirlwind of actions and words. The Doug and Anakin divested themselves of weapons. 
Anakin placed his training saber next to the dog's collection of knives, blasters, and stun pellets, and was hustled off in the direction of the cage, the dog similarly carried behind him. The audience roared and beat their feet on the floor, making the entire warehouse resound with a frantic, angry rhythm. The floodlights centered on the cage, into which the two contestants were ushered by burly referees. One of these, Anakin noted, busily welding the gates shut after they had entered. To the death, no surrender, a voice muttered in his ear, and he was alone in the pit with Doug, who had already tried to kill him once today. Obi-Wan followed the sound of maddened cheering, shouting, and stomping to an abandoned warehouse deep in the heart of the lychee sector. A helpful pedestrian had pointed him in the general direction, and now that he was within earshot, finding the fighting arena, known as the pit, was simple. Between the noise and the sickening bloodlust shuddering through the force, it was impossible to miss. Cutting a convenient hole in the roof with his lightsaber, he dropped into the darkness below, landing in a crouch on a roof support beam. The space was filled with spectators, well over a thousand of them, he estimated, likely enough all sporting a blaster or some more potent and less legal weaponry. In the center, on a kind of a stage, set a massive Duracell cage, slightly rounded, The shape was oddly familiar, but he couldn't place his finger on it, perhaps because he was so distracted by what was inside the cage itself. Faced off like two gladiators ready to fight to the death were a nasty-looking Doug and Obi-Wan's apprentice. Anakin crouched, weaponless, in the center of the fighting cage, watching the Doug warily as it prowled about him rubbing its feet together in wicked anticipation as it sized him up. The crowd loved it. They were already cheering, booing, and making rude catcalls. The dog moved in a flash, and Anakin dodged to one side. The dog attempted to land two swift punches, or kicks, with its feet, and missed again. Its claws were razor-sharp, of course, so the apparent no-weapons rule seemed a bit unfair. But nobody here cared about that sort of minor detail. The dog rushed the boy again and got a foot around his throat, only to be sent sailing back violently into the side of the cage with a force push. The entire metal structure rattled and shook with the impact, and the dog slid down in a heap. Anakin straightened up, Hands still held outward, palm open. Obi-Wan hissed between his teeth. What in the blazes? If he managed to get his Padawan out of this alive, they were going to have a very long talk about restraint and anger and fighting in places like the pit. The dog recovered in record time and stood back up on his hands spitting out some foul epithet or another. The crowd went wild and Anakin tensed. Then somebody threw an electrostaff through the bars of the cage and into the dug's waiting grip. Anakin's mouth fell open and the dug said something else. 
more wild cheering from the crowd. Oh, Anakin, you didn't really think they would play by the rules, did you? Now the fight got ugly. The dog swept and swung at the boy with amazing speed, and it was only Anakin's Jedi skills that saved him, allowing him to somersault through the air or run up the side of the cage to evade the merciless blows. He force-pushed the dog again, sending the staff clattering to the ground. The dog made dive for it, just as Anakin held out a hand to summon it into his own grasp, just as a blaster shot from somewhere in the crowd and pinged through the bars of the cage and grazed the boy's arm. He clutched it convulsively, his sharp cry of pain sounding a tight alarm in the force. The dog seized the staff and swung for Anakin's face. The Padawan stumbled backward, narrowly avoiding the strike, still holding his arm. The crowd was howling with pleasure. Blast, 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 Obi-Wan cursed. There was nothing else for it. He dropped off the rafter and landed on the cage's roof. The crowd shrieked and roared, and a few shots were aimed at him. He deflected them with his saber and took a moment to cut away a small portion of the cage before dropping inside between the dug and his apprentice. The dug spun to confront the newcomer and launched a savage attack. The crowd screamed and surged forward, eager to see the outcome, wild for the spectacle of a saber-wielding Jedi inside the confines of the killing pit. Some of the spectators trampled each other in their eagerness to gain a front-row vantage point. The dug thrust and spun and made sweeping strikes with his staff, none of which found their mark. In a whirl of blue light, the weapon was severed in half and the dog's foot was struck with a glowing gash. He fell to the floor of the cage, yowling. The crowd booed and surged forward to the very edge of the bars. Blaster barrels were thrust into the space within, and Obi-Wan had to deflect a barrage of ill-aimed shots. He grabbed Anakin by the arm, the hurt one, no time for apologies, and jumped. They made it to the top of the cage, more shots ricocheted off the bars around them. One of the lamps overhead shorted out and exploded in a shower of sparks. Jump! Obi-Wan shouted at his Padawan, again grasping the boy's arm in a fierce grip as they flew for the roof supports, and then through the hole he had cut in the roof itself. Ugh! Anakin cried out as they slipped down the sloping roof. That hurts! Let go! You're lucky I don't put you on a leash, Obi-Wan snarled, this time seizing a handful of the boys' tunics as they took a flying leap off the edge of the warehouse all the way to the roof of the next dilapidated building. I'm sorry, Master, Anakin wailed as they ran pell-mell for the safety of the district's edge. An angry mob was pouring out of the arena now and storming the streets. You're welcome, Obi-Wan growled and kept running, dragging his Padawan along by the collar beside him. Chapter 10 
The temple was peaceful, the corridors silent. Most residents had retired for the night to sleep or meditate, or were occupied with other quiet pursuits. Anakin walked along miserably beside his teacher, wondering what he could say to make amends. Master, I know I really blew it this time. This time? Anakin flinched. I'm sorry. I know you're angry because you just went away for a couple days, and Master Chaboth... Master Chaboth, what did you tell him you were up to? Uh, well, I didn't exactly tell him at all, really. It's just that the Doug won the race earlier today by cheating. He actually killed another driver, and then he challenged me to a fight because he thought he could get away with that kind of thing, and he didn't like that we confiscated the prize money. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought he can't just go on being smug and doing evil deeds, and why shouldn't I teach him a lesson? I'm a Jedi. He's a scumbag. Obi-Wan came to a full halt and scowled, arms folded across his chest. You're a Jedi who chose to behave like a scumbag this evening. So where is your moral high ground, my young Padawan? Anakin hung his head. And I won't even ask how you came to be involved in that race, or what you were doing anywhere in the vicinity of that racing strip in the first place. You told me about it, the boy protested. Your role as a Jedi is not to run about Coruscant teaching any being who insults you a lesson. You showed him, though, didn't you? I saved your pathetic neck, Obi-Wan growled. And while we ran for our lives like two mangy street dogs, is that glorious enough for your taste, Anakin? The Padawan quailed. Master! Let me assure you, if I intend to teach anyone in that arena a lesson, it won't be the Doug, the Jedi Knight continued, unrelenting. They had reached Anakin's quarters. Sulkily, the boy hit the access control and the door hissed open. To reveal an empty room. Bed, desk, and floor were neat and uncluttered. Free of junk, spare parts, tools, and half-finished tinkering projects. Anakin entered, stunned, and turned in a slow circle. It's gone he said in a daze. All my stuff, it's gone. Serves you right, Obi-Wan grumped behind him. The boy's shoulders slumped. He stared disconsolate at the bare chamber, his mouth set in a grim line. He looked back up at Obi-Wan, eyes shining. It wasn't me, the latter said impulsively although he had a fair guess who might be responsible for the removal of Anakin's toys. A single tear trickled down the boy's nose. He wiped it away with a fierce swipe of his hand. I know, he said. And then, without warning, he flung his arms around his mentor's waist and buried his face against the older Jedi's tunic, sobbing. Unsure quite what to do, 
Obi-Wan gently lowered himself to one knee and wrapped his arms about the boy's violently shaking shoulders. I hate him! Anakin was bawling, his words muffled against Obi-Wan's chest. I hate him! He's scary, and he's, he's mean, and he doesn't care about anyone, and he wants me to do things. I, I don't... I hate him! Anakin, Obi-Wan said helplessly. It's like he's inside of me, and I can't get rid of him, and I want him to go away, and he scares me, Master. And don't, 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 please don't give me away to him, Master. I can't do it. I don't want to. Please don't let him. I hate him. Anakin! The sharp tone shocked the boy out of his hysterical rant. Anakin took a hitching breath and pulled away far enough to raise two glistening blue eyes up to his teacher's face. Listen, Padawan, I promised you that I would train you and protect you until you are made a Jedi Knight. Nobody, least of all Master Chaboth, is going to cause me to break that vow. Anakin's sniffles subsided, though he didn't let go of his painful grip. I'm glad you're back, he mumbled. It certainly wasn't a moment too soon. Obi-Wan carefully extracted himself and stood up. You could have been killed tonight, Anakin. I'm sorry, Master. The boy studied his boots. So, good night? Obi-Wan tipped the boy's chin upward with one hand. Not so fast, Padawan. You and I will be having to talk first thing in the morning. The promise of strict discipline dissolved any lingering doubts in Anakin's eyes. He nodded enthusiastically. Yes, master, first thing. Obi-Wan smiled, a very little, and exited with a shake of his head. After he had a talk with Anakin, it was going to be time for another talk with the Jedi Council. High time. Jedi Master Mace Windu listened and watched the proceedings in the council chamber with a great deal of amusement. Not that his stony visage betrayed even a hint of that amusement. He maintained his grave composure perfectly, only occasionally exchanging a swift, guarded look with Yoda. A glance that told him the ancient master was enjoying this almost as much as he was. The boy was insolent enough to run away from the temple without permission, without even leaving a communication behind, Joris Chaboth was saying. Has that happened many times before, Master Kenobi? Obi-Wan looked, for his part, far less unsettled than he had the first time the two of them had been together in this chamber. In fact, his feet were unconsciously planted in the classic Form 4 offensive-ready position. May suppressed a rebellious smile. I'm not sure I grasp the significance of your question, Master, the young knight responded with a politeness that seemed to freeze the very force to ice. Jaboth turned glittering eyes to Yoda. 
Hmm. Many times before. Yes. The old one supplied, ears twitching humorously. And what, pray tell, have you done about this? Jabbar thundered at the young knight beside him. You cannot allow your Padawan to disappear into Coruscant's underlevels at will, Master Kenobi. Oh, I agree, Obi-Wan demurred. In the past, I have always hastened to find him when he goes missing. And thus far, I have always succeeded. Pray, what did you do when you discovered he was missing? Joris Chaboth lowered his eyebrows, sinking his eyes into deep shadow on either side of his hawk nose. A Jedi should not go running after his Padawan like some kind of stray puppy, he growled. It is unfitting. The younger man's eyebrows rose fractionally. A Jedi should do whatever is necessary to accomplish his duty, without thought to personal embarrassment, he answered mildly. Mace had to press his steepled fingers against his lips to maintain his facade of calm. Chaboth glared down at the young knight. I think I am experienced enough to know what the Jedi path entails, he cut in sharply. Thank you for your opinion. And what is the boy doing now? Mace asked, watching both Jedi closely. He is assisting Master Shue in the outdoor gardens, Obi-Wan said. There was some manual labor that needed to be done. I believe Master Shue gave all four staff members the day off. Chaboth stiffened. Such a punishment will not deter the boy. His energy needs to be channeled by a wise hand, not wasted on such useless tasks. Benefit from the gardens we all do, Yoda put in. Useless the task is not. The tall Jedi made a curt bow of acknowledgement. I merely intended to point out that the boy is difficult to handle. I think my concerns about his placement with an appropriate teacher are validated by this turn of events. The council agrees, May said slowly. Your concern is appreciated. He caught Obi-Wan's eyes. It is of the utmost importance that we place Anakin with the best mentor possible. Chaboth straightened and flicked a withering, triumphant glance at the Jedi standing beside him. Obi-Wan disdained to notice it. Return from Ilium you have, Yoda addressed the latter person. Anything to say on this matter, have you, Obi-Wan? Still determined to keep your word, are you? The Jedi Knight looked at Yoda, then at Mace. He bowed slightly. I hope I will always keep my word, Masters, especially the promise I made to Anakin before this entire council when he was formally made my Padawan. But above all, I hope I will be guided by the living force more than my own will or ambition. Anakin's training is indeed a daunting task, one which I wonder daily 
whether I will be able to accomplish. You admit you doubt yourself? Chabas scoffed. I have much to learn, Obi-Wan continued quietly. But the Force is my ally, and a powerful ally it is indeed. Yoda nodded sagely and grasped his stick. Well, Chaboth demanded, growing impatient and confident of a swift decision in his favor. Decided the matter is, Yoda huffed. Anakin Skywalker will remain with his present master. No more discussion of the subject will the council tolerate. He skewered Chaboth with a look of cold warning. Centuries of authority blazing in his green-gold eyes. The force roared, bright with the unspoken reprimand. Even a few of the council members flinched in their seats. Joris Chaboth managed to bow without conveying the slightest amount of respect, his enormous frame shaking with the contained emotion, and swept from the room, wrapped in the tattered shreds of his own dignity. There was a heavy silence in his wake. Mace released a controlled breath. Most amusing indeed. With your permission, masters, I should go, Obi-Wan said after a lengthy pause. Before my Padawan drives Master Shue to distraction. Yoda beamed at him. Yes, yes, go now you should, he commanded gently. Go and teach your apprentice, and learn yourself. Yes, master, I shall. He bowed, his dark cloak sweeping gracefully against the mosaic floor. Just as he rose, his eyes caught Mace Windu's, and he returned the hidden smile. The force leapt and played around him as he turned and quietly took his leave, the new saber gleaming softly at his side. The end, and may the Force be with you all.